be the believer that you were made to be by original design. Since that's who you awaken to and what you awaken to and who you truly are, let's talk about it. In today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. Preacher Things started in 2016, devotional encouragement that challenged how most believers believe. Later, I was approached about turning the social media post into something more akin to audiovisual format that explained and extended the thoughts for clarity. Clarity came in 2021. After a season of frustration, transition, personal growth, and soulful maturing, the Preacher Think podcast puzzle began falling into place while worshiping through bitterness, praising through change, being comforted, cared for, and counseled back into leadership, and enjoying a season of celebration. God blessed me with a team, the resources, the support, and the permission to present to you, Preacher Think, thoughts downloaded from God and His Word, uploaded to all through the lens of grace and kingdom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Preacher Think, where I take thoughts downloaded from God and His Word and upload them to you via the lens of grace and kingdom. I am the creator and the host of Preacher Think, Chad Joyner, and man, I am excited to talk with you guys today about what we're going to share. I'm excited to be with you guys in the uh, remaining quarter of the year, 2023, fall of 2023, season eight episode one that we have entitled Just Be. And here is the thought that we want to jump off from. Be the believer that you were made by original design, since that's who you awaken to and who you truly are. Now, I want to start with the scripture passage, which I think is going to lean into this thought and, and kind of help us with this jump off uh, point. So uh, if you've got your Bible, if you've got your Bible app on your electronic device, uh, I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. And this is what they say. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 11. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. This is Paul talking. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, with that being said, this verse lends itself to lives built on the sound doctrine of grace and not just uh, hanging out around the foundational base camp, so to speak, of saving grace, but lives built upon that in multidimensional grace. That would be sustaining grace, empowering grace, uh, transforming grace and so on. And, and, and um, let's see, a grace of administration that speaks to our operation from grace within, not for it, to release kingdom into the earth. And here's what you need to understand. When I say kingdom, I'm not just talking about the, the kingdom of heaven. I'm not just talking about heaven itself. I'm not trying to take heaven away from anybody. Heaven is for each and every person who has put their faith in Christ Jesus. But the kingdom of heaven or our kingdom does not just include heaven. I'm also talking about the Romans 14, 17, righteousness, peace, and joy located in the Holy Spirit being enjoyed and shared type of kingdom. So kingdom not only includes heaven, but it's also righteousness, peace, and joy. And it has a location. It is in the Holy Spirit. Now, and talking about the believers we've been made uh, to be by original design, we need to explore what that really means. So first of all, let's talk about the context of 
what it means to be made a believer by original design. And I've got to take you all the way back to the creation narrative, and it's rooted in the origin of man. So I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and I want to read that for you. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, in other words, God is talking about the fullness of himself, the fullness of the Godhead there. That's why he says, let us make man in our image and likeness. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit in cahoots with one another said, let's create a being that mirrors us in the fullness of our abundance of goodness, nature, and character. So then, and knowing who made us into the beings that we're designed to be, which we were created as before the foundation of the world. Always keep that in mind. We were created as this. This was never a, 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 a novelty in God's mind. We were created as this from the foundation, before the foundation of the world. And, and when we see this manifest in the creation narrative, and, and we see it manifest in the creation narrative in Genesis, once we acknowledge that, we also acknowledge that the, the fall where man forfeited all of his original perfection and the need for rescue and rebirth entered the fray. And at rebirth, the believers we've been made was by Christ's finished work on the cross, who objectively saved the entirety of the world, the entirety of the cosmos. Now, I, I, listen again, I, and I know I, I don't have, I feel like I don't have to keep saying this, but I'll say it just for clarity. I'm not saying uh, that there isn't a participation on our part to subject ourselves to what Christ has done for us by grace, uh, believing and receiving it by faith, awakening to it. I'm not, um, I'm not speaking as uh, someone that would be deemed or characterized as a universalist. I believe that to, to, in order to, you know, for rescue, that you must not just believe in the existence of God, but believe in Jesus, placing your faith in Jesus. Uh, come to the fact and the realization of the repentance of your sin, a repentance towards salvation, a change of your mind about that, that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And when he comes into your life, he makes you a saint. So again, I'm not saying that there isn't any participation on our part to subject ourselves to what Christ has done for us by grace, believing and receiving it by faith, um, awakening to it. But what I am saying is we had nothing to do with the reality of him making us image bearers of him at creation, uh, at rebirth, nor uh, does any of our doing nullify or make true the truth of his rescue of all mankind. But we do have a say, listen to this, in whether we're going to believe it or leave the offer on the table. Now, Jesus made us people of his own possession, sons and daughters, children of God, clean and close, not dirty and distant, abundantly filled, not lacking anything, just to name a, a, a bit of what he has made us. And, and we'll get into that more in some broader strokes later. But what, this is what we, this is the next question and kind of con contextual thing that we need to explore. When did this happen? When did he do this? That's a, that's a good question to ask. Listen, it happened at creation. Listen to this. When God breathed into man, Adam, and his very, we're talking about Adam's eyes here, the very first 
ocular beholding was that of love himself, God, where man was viewing as if looking in a mirror, the very image of himself. That is when all of these things came to be that Adam knew that he was a possession of God. He knew he was a son of God. He knew that he was clean and close and not dirty. And he knew who his creator was and he was a perfect creation. Now, again, listen to this. <laughs> was there a fall? Yes. Did man lose his original perfected state in the fall? Yes. So listen to this at our rebirth when we awaken to the reality of what always was and forever shall be, which is human beings being the apple of our father's eye, meaning being able to see the, the, the little man of ourselves when we uh, spiritually see into the eyes of God, being able to see ourselves being the very center of his vision, meaning we can behold ourselves as the center of his vision, seeing ourselves as he sees us as what? As holy as righteous, good, true, and blameless. When we believe that to be true at rebirth, we submitted ourselves to his becoming, to, to his to his life becoming our life. Us believing this, listen to this, us believing this didn't make it true. It was always true. It was always true, you know, whether we believed it, or not. And, and you can find the truth and how God sees us in, in passages of scripture, like Psalm 17, eight, Zechariah two, eight, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 10 and Proverbs seven, two. Now the reality of perfected man happened in the garden, which begs the question, why did God even bother to create man being he is omniscient, knowing full well that the fall uh, was going to happen and that the, about the fall that was to come. He, he, he knew about these things. Um, well, let me have you consider this thought. Why he would have created us, even knowing with choice there would be a uh, a propensity or a lean that we could do things the wrong way, and which is exactly ultimately what happened with the fall. Well, Think about this thought. What good is love if you don't have an object to direct it at, to direct it toward and express it upon? Think about that. God doesn't just give love. He is love. God desired an object to lavish his love upon. So he, so he created and he chose man to accomplish this. This reality of being loved lavishly came alive uh, with what's called the Ruach. R-U-A-C-H. It's the Hebrew word for the very breath of God being breathed into his object of love, which was man, Adam. Now, post-fall, this reality of being is re-realized and comes alive subjectively when an individual chooses to believe this truth of expression to live life loved by God, who is love, and express that by giving the gift of Jesus to the world as a sacrifice and as perfect theology to believe, placing all dependence in him for rescue, for power to be sustained, uh, to be empowered to release kingdom into the earth and to be transformed and to rest, meaning to operate in him, in, in him operating in and through us from a position and a reality of ease in him. 
I didn't say everything was going to be easy, but I'm saying when you've got Christ and you know that he lives on the inside of you, you live in him and he lives in you, you operate and you, you, uh, uh, do what it is that you do from the position and the reality of being at ease in him as your security. Jesus, uh, <laughs> like parents do with their kids on the taxes, Jesus made us dependents upon him post fall and upon receiving his life because he is the fulfillment of all God's requirements of righteousness. That's why we're dependents on him because he's the fulfillment of all of God's righteous requirements of the law. Romans 8, 1 through 4 tells us that. I want to read that for you right now, just so you think, <laughs> if you think I'm lying to you, you'll, you'll be able to hinge down on some scripture that I'm telling you that, that's the truth. Romans 8, 1 through 4, this is what it says. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that's a good place to give God some praise right there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Listen to this. He condemned sin in the flesh. Listen that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So with that being said, all of the requirements we could never meet with any amount of our doing or, and or performance have been met by Christ's life in us, as the scripture just stated. And with that task met, I believe, that he desires, Jesus desires to return us, to take us on a return journey uh, to our origins of created perfection, where we were molded and shaped by the hands of God in the very beginning. And again, this happened by the projection of love himself upon humans. And again, post-fall, at the arising to rebirth from above, Choosing by faith to believe that the, that the origin of my creation was that of complete compatibility with God. All of this reminds believers, listen, of the quality of life that we possess. And we have this to convince all of unbelieving mankind to come back to their first love, God. Whether they think he was their first love or not. He is because with our origination from Adam, uh, our origination roots are connected to the very first knowledge and visual Adam ever had, which was his eyes being open to God, who is love himself. And if all of mankind's origination comes from Adam and his very, very first ocular view fell on God, who is love himself. That and, and 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 we behold God as our first love via the origination process through Adam. He is our first love, whether we recognize that or acknowledge that now or not. And Jesus is in the business in and through his people in the earth to release kingdom and to speak this truth to to bring people or to take people back on a journey 
to their origination of opening their eyes to love from the very, very beginning. So who are the originally intended beings that we were designed to be, that we were made originally and remade at rebirth? Well, there's four things that I want to share with you. And uh, you may, if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down or come back and watch this on a replay sometime. But there's four things that I want to share with you that we were made into with original intention from creation. And when we lost that post fall and have been brought back to it, been remade into at rebirth. And here they are. Number one, we were made, listen, as image bearers. We were made as image bearers to do what? It, whose image tells the story of God. Now, we construct a lot of stories about ourselves in our own minds, and then we project those stories into life form to live out before the world. And honestly speaking, um, most of the stories that we tell us uh, about us <laughs> are distorted, and dare I say false, so they come out to others the very same way. They come out to others as as fanciful and false and, and, and as a facade. Um, there's a verse of scripture that kind of lends itself to this, and I want to read that for you right now, and we'll dive into it and kind of start uprooting these fanciful thoughts of who we are and, and start kind of drilling back down into who we were really made into as image bearers. And that's Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17, and this is what it says. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, the function of that passage of Scripture is to get one thinking more about the true identity of God, which is our true identity also, and, and much less about the, the Jesus having some like identity crisis in the passage, thinking that he's asking this question out of uh, insecurity. That's not the case. But notice I said the identity given in the passage by Peter of Jesus, we share with him. Peter said that he is the son of God. Now, the identity of us, we are the sons of God, just as he is the son of God. And this is not gender specific when I say we talking about all mankind are the sons of God. Ladies, you don't have to worry about it because if men can be the bride of Christ, you indeed can be the sons of God. It's not gender specific. So we are the sons of God, just as he is the son of God. But listen to this, thinking about those stories, those distorted stories that we even tell ourselves that we end up projecting and telling others, which really are a facade of ourselves rather than the um, truest identity of ourselves in our quest to put our best foot forward and to make a big splash with our first impressions before others, we don't always speak of ourselves in that actuality. We don't always speak of ourselves from our true identity that we are sons of God. 
our stories about ourselves given to others will either it's it's either going to do one of two things. It's either going to portray us as a victim or a victor, depending on whether we choose to interpret our stories through our listen to this trauma or God's triumph within us where the truth of our identity is rooted. Now, to combat portraying ourselves as victims and trolls of trauma, we've got to begin bending our minds toward godly wisdom and counsel. Now, I'm starting to get, listen to me, I've talked a whole lot on this podcast about grace declaration. Now, I'm going to talk a lot about grace demonstration. I've talked a whole lot about grace uh, uh, expression. I'm going to begin talking more about grace exhibition, exhibiting grace. Uh, There is a reason that there are behavior passages in the letters of James and John and Peter and Paul. Action and behavior is not a bad word, even when you hear someone like myself or anybody who is preaching grace. We are, when we begin to speak about action, we are talking about a corresponding action for something that has been done for us and in us. And we're doing those actions from that life, the life of Christ that is in us. So again, to combat portraying ourselves as victims and trolls of trauma, we've got to begin bending our minds and our actions towards godly wisdom and counsel. Now stay with me here because I'm going to give you some practical handles. Again, to combat portraying ourselves as victims and trolls of trauma, we ought to desire to bend our minds toward godly wisdom and counsel. Whether that comes from sitting with a biblical counselor, um, a a licensed therapist, or a Jesus-believing spiritual counselor. Yes, I'm talking about getting counsel to reclaim God's original intent for our lives. Why is that? Because it has been uh, apropos to the religious establishment for us to hear of someone's trauma and simply say, well, let's go to God about it and let's pray about it. And then after we go to God and we pray about it and everybody gets all in a lather around how this person's going to be healed, delivered and set free. And they walk out of that church or that gathering or that setting on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday afternoon. Nobody's with that individual on Friday when they're still going through hell, when they're still giving out stories of trauma, when they're still being a victim, when they're still speaking from a misidentity, when they're still putting on airs and putting on facades and putting on fronts for people out in the public eye, but in the private eye, in the privacy of their own home, they are tormented and going through complete hell and and are dying on the inside. So we are going to have to bend our minds towards godly wisdom and counsel. Again, sitting with a biblical counselor, a licensed therapist, a Jesus-believing spiritual advisor to reclaim God's original intent for our lives. We're going to have to lend ourselves to the hard work of asking hard questions like, um, did what happened only happen to me or did it happen for me? Meaning as vile as it may have been, was there anything useful I can view and uh, utilize that came out of the trauma that I went through? Also, we need to ask questions like, what is this trauma saying to me? Now, 
when we explore those two questions in connection with uh, the biblical truth of grace, we find things like this. God works all things together for good. That's one thing. We find out that he weeps for the one that harms and for the one that's being harmed. God desires to extend grace to all people. All people, the harmed and the one the one that is harmed and the one that has extended the harm. There's grace for all of it. That's another thing that we'll begin to learn. Another thing that we will learn is none of it is excused as there is built in and baked in the construct of life consequences, listen, for the trauma causer and for the trauma carrier. We will learn things like that. We live in a fallen world, but we are gripped by a risen savior. When we learn things like we live in a fallen world, but we're gripped by a risen savior, what I'm saying is, is that the God of love gives choice because love always involves choice. And in those choices, some people have chosen to rebel against God, to rebel against their God-given nature that was given to them at creation in and through Adam, uh, that, that was always uh, the original intent of God for all people. Some people have chosen to do that. And some of the things that we're blaming God for and the devil for, neither one of those people are the individuals that are behind it. It's actually people making a choice and a decision to do something in a moment that harms someone else. It is not God uh, doing this to anyone. And, it, and, it, and, and it's actually, again, it's not the devil made you do it. Now, can is he coaxing? Is he speaking? Is, is he trying to lure you, you into making a choice to do that? Of course, and sometimes... We have bent and bowed the knee to that and found ourselves on the end of harming someone else and bringing trauma to someone else's life. So again, none of that is excused. And there is the built in and baked in construct of consequences for the trauma causer and the trauma carrier. We learn that we live in a fallen world, but we, we we're gripped by our risen savior. We also learn that we are all fraught and frail Listen to this with a propensity to get it wrong at every turn, but the perfect nature and character of Christ in us has had it right forever. And we are not, listen to this, the sum total of what's happened to us or what we've done to others, but rather we are totally encompassed in the makeup of the truth of what Christ has done for us, to us, and desires to do through us. That's number one. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Thing by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Thing via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at preacherthink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.